quick click the recording thing I'm gonna go back to this recording room we can get ready for our canonical town hall meetings because that's what I'm calling are it are we expecting anyone else to join us no I don't think so I'll I'll do a okay. I'll do a bing letting everyone know that that's what we're doing right now but sure I think we got this so uh hey everybody this is the behind the scenes nonsense for episode five we are joined today by the illustrious halloween blood frost uh, halloween is there anything you want to say to the folks out there in radio land Folks, I appreciate you coming in and enjoying all of this. I hope you're having an absolute blast listening to it because we have an absolute blast recording it. If you guys were behind the scenes, you guys would be looking for the sports stitches. But you're not, so that's what we're doing is behind the scenes you can hear some of it. So welcome. Yes, we're uh, especially especially this works. We've been we've been fortunate that schedules for people have been able to line up because uh, this is a really big uh, and probably the most that anyone's heard from Monk Baelish in the entire series so far is oh, yeah. at the beginning of episode five. So that's great. Usually what we're going to do is just break the scene, uh, episode, uh, show down scene by scene and just talk about like what it was like doing these things and what part do we remember. And uh, yeah, it's terrific. So the first thing that we know we always go over with is when we have a member of our cast here is we just talk about like so tell us about what originally had interested you in the project what the auditioning things was like and uh, what you thought of the you know sketchball mystery character that you personify now well yeah um i guess first time the uh the auditioning process was Surprising. For those who don't know, I'm a narrator for Pseudopod. Um, and I remember reading for, uh, I think it was uh, you, Jake, but I was doing that like a year or so ago for the game yep, and getting cool. uh, an email out of the clear blue sky. I'm like, oh my God, somebody actually listened to this. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then after that, it became really uh, an issue of going, uh, kind of really falling in love with the idea of being this uh uh what is the word neo pronouns i love that 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 concept of having this very neo pronoun friendly uh, story and the the really thing that got me into it although i love horror and supernatural uh goodness the real thing that got me into it was uh both jake and derek's desire to make a point to really have really positive representation for the rainbow community um that's what made me really fall into it because being trans myself even though i don't i i present more as masculine uh it's because i've just learned how to speak growing up i was very femme i was very uh speaking from the front sharp s's much more feminine uh presenting and i've learned growing up in philadelphia i just in order to survive i just had to learn how to present more as a male because it's kind of a rough world so to have somebody out there who's making a point to be proactive just as the time where I'm coming into it seemed really kind of like a, a universal kind of, this is where you belong type of thing. So with Derek and with Jake both saying, you can kind of design your own characters, your own pronouns, let's decide uh, their backstory just really made me feel like we're really being inclusive and positive. Cause one of the 
biggest things that I love with both of the representations, Jake and Derek, is it's a sense that we as a human species are evolving rather than trying to defend a static point, rather than saying that we're supposed to uh, resist change. It really became a sense of we we're continuing to evolve to really embrace our humanity, that our humanity is an emotional intimacy that we are making a point to explore rather than try to do the hard right where you have to stick at a certain point no matter what. Um, the whole idea of them bringing in the supernatural reality. And when I think about, when I talk about October's children, I think more of a sense of, it, it's kind of a, a harder twist on like a Stephen King kind of uncertainty, scary um, thing where the relationships are really the most important thing. And that's the crux of any story is the relationships and how much they can be twisted and, and thrown out of whack. And then you mix in with some X-Files type shit. And you couldn't drag me away from this project. It is absolutely fantastic. Man. I think I babbled a lot on that answer. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it's great because audio dramas are a uh, very long form, form of storytelling. So it really does, it does matter a lot that people, you know are happy with what's going on and i think when jake and i were really talking about like making making people comfortable with characters and these things it's a lot because like hey 10 episodes might not sound like a lot but we've been at this for over a year and we're st you know we're still not quite done and hypothetically if we did two more seasons of this like that's a long haul to really get a story yes. out there so yeah, yes. everyone, everyone better feel pretty uh, thumbs up about their characters because we're gonna need them for a while. <laughs> Totes, really, <laughs> yeah, totally. I uh, one of the questions I was uh, I started to ask Jake at the beginning of uh, this last recording session for episode uh, eight, and I said, let me just start with the Q and A's. Jake, do you know where the story is going? Do you are you aware of the details? Or are you just kind of evolving and letting it flow and come to you as you kind of deem the muses are telling you jake is too laid back to know where the story is going he is entirely okay. just, yeah <laughs> that, that was derek's poor attempt at humor mm. yeah i think I was, I was starting to pick it up from our previous conversation that you're, you're not quite as laid back as as, as you really put out there <laughs> uh I, I am a very plan-oriented person. And so, do I have all of the bits and bobs sewn up already? No. But do I have a pretty good end-to-end -end conceptualization of how the story is? Yes. Also, no. Yeah. <laughs> Just... yeah, right, there you go. Also, no. <laughs> this, the, this is the uh, difference in Jake and I storytelling. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I, I'm the type of person who likes to come up with you know what is the message of, what is the question i want to ask what is the message i want to send and then sort of like what does the denouement look like and then backtrack from that or sort of i'll come up with the characters and then the end point and then backwards engineer how did the characters get to this end point that's smart reading yes right the end first pretty much the the end point for us is everyone in a car in an arby's parking lot uh, after having attended a Led Zeppelin concert, uh, and Ashley has a face tattoo, so that's. A, and what would you pick to eat at Arby's? What's off the menu? Like no matter what, I need this. They're having salad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't they do yeah. venison for a while? 
Arby's? Ooh. What? I don't... <laughs> that, that sounds... No, I'm serious. I'm, now I'm going to Google this, because I feel like they did Arby's for... Uh, Arby's. I feel like they did venison for a hot minute. I that feel like that's something you'd, like, find an Arby's in the middle of the woods, and... You mean New Hampshire? Yeah, yeah, like, but in, like, you're just driving by, the lights really aren't on, the sign has some missing letters, and they have, like, one thing on the menu, and it's just one really intense person... Asking you if okay. you'd like your venison extra I'm just saying, raw. I'm in Google. I put in Arby's venison, and it comes up with Arby's venison sandwich, Arby's venison sandwich 2022, Arby's venison oh. sandwich locations. <laughs> like, I was not imagining that. That's a thing. Wow. Arby's venison sandwich locations. Close your eyes and open your closet. Take a step inside and pray. When you open your oh. eyes, I am glad that we are we are providing any engagement for a fast food chain without being paid. So let's move really? on. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that that's that's, that's only reason in Wolfbrook. We don't need to. Do pay. you have? Uh, I mean, yeah, they can just get it from from Jeff's freezer, right? Um, that's the Arby's. That that's what they call it. They call Jeff's freezer <laughs> the <laughs> Arby's. <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, did before we start going into the scenes. Um, Halloween, did you have any other like generalized questions? Well, I was really... Well, I listened to uh, episode 5 this morning, and I was really blown away by the audio. It was absolutely fantastic. And I was curious how you decided the pacing of it. Was there any particular... Because when we were reading it, we were just kind of reading it and vibing off of each other. But uh, especially you, uh, um, Derek, when you are making a point to chop up the audio... Do you have a soundscape? Have you guys like done uh, a design for how you want it to sound? Or are you just kind of uh, finding out what is good for that moment? Uh, I I make stuff. <laughs> I make stuff entirely with no. It's like I just make it, and then I give it to Jake, and Jake goes, "Why do you destroy my art when all I do is give you?" <laughs> and then we usually backtrack from there until we have a finalized episode. Um, Yes, Jake does leave sound notes for me, but what sounds end up there is usually just like what I find. And sometimes they're like, "Hey, nice job on those crows." And other times it's like, "Too many crows, back up." Not, not. We we went over this. Yeah. So on occasion, I will find a. Uh, there'll be a very specific sound that I want, and I will either try very hard to describe it, or I'll just try to find it myself in the 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 platforms that we we draw from. Um, but either way. Sometimes I just make Derek's life a living hell uh, with some amount of intent. I, I, my my <laughs> favorite is still that I left him a note that said, "Put, put pastry placement noise yeah, yeah. here." Yeah, 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 motherfucker. It still keeps me up at night. <laughs> so <That's> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I I can be very punctilious, and so uh, for the for the folks at home previously about i don't know an hour ago or so halloween said that I, I sounded like i was probably fairly technologically savvy and both derek and i laughed because i'm a bit of a luddite and so i cannot push the buttons derek is the one who pushes the buttons and he makes magic and i cannot make magic the way derek does but derek will stream things to me and i can see his screen and i'm like no no put the pink one a little bit to the left no my oh, left wow <laughs> yep yep that's that's what podcasting really is. Uh-huh. It's try, trying to get dialogue to sound natural is 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 very difficult, and it, the 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 pause, you know, the, the quarter second extra pause or the tightening up by a quarter second makes it sound different. You know, 
Especially in situations like exactly like what we just did, where we have a scene where we didn't get all of our cast together. So we have to uh, make it sound like you guys actually did record together. And sometimes that's even so much as like remembering the inflection that the previous cast members did when saying this line. So that way I can say it so that you still have the same idea and you give a response that doesn't sound super far out. Yeah, it's gotcha. it's easy. It's great. Everyone should do it. And, and again, just to be very clear, Derek does all of the heavy lifting and he does amazing things. I do not mean to detract from Derek's abilities at all. He, he really is just a brilliant sound engineer. Yeah, compliments. Moving on. Uh, so <laughs> we we start we start our. Uh... Oh hey hey oh yeah oh snap. I thought we might see somebody else. You finger gun. It's true. You finger guns three times, and Susie just appears. Been summoned. Yes, <laughs> been summoned to. We're just talking about. We're getting ready to talk about. No, actually, wait, 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 hold on. Halloween and Susie. Have you folks ever interacted before? Did you? Did you play Ollie? Yeah. I do. I don't think we have. No, your I don't think avatar is unfamiliar to me. Yes, <laughs> I've seen your avatar, and I love that hat. I think it is so spectacular. It is so big, and it looks like it keeps out out all the sun. And, oh uh, lord no uh do, i don't know if i want to tell you the story of this because it'll take too long this is what this is what this <laughs> oh, is what we those, have time yeah this is we what like the, the three people who get this tier this is what they're into yeah well all right so this was this was a uh halloween costume a couple years ago more than a couple oh god like six years uh, way too long ago <laughs> i did this halloween and this is what I came up with. But in order to understand what I am, you need a picture reference. So if you can, do me a favor, Google um, contact uh, yeah. Jodie Foster. That was a great movie. I really enjoyed that. Let's see here. Okay. Now do a Google um, search and there will be a lot. But the one that you're looking for is the one where she, she is in a very similar hat. And also, oh. you know, out in the deserty place with some headphones, probably. Yep, found it. That's amazing. All right. Now, there's more. So, with this, uh, in this picture... It's not just um, not just Jody in there. There's there's another character. There's another like person that is uh, sort of part of this whole situation, and that's the array. The array is its own personality. The array is its own person, and we need to value that. And I wanted to do that in my Halloween costume. How do I make this array a person that is uh, in the scene with me, if you will? <laughs> well, 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 uh, I, I looked around uh, my family home for who could possibly help me with this. And my eye went on my dog who was going for a rough <laughs> time and uh, had a bit of a a bit of an array like cone around her head the cone and of shame yep and thus was born that's amazing uh, 
That is amazing. There was so much more thought about that. If I went out for (laughs) Halloween, I would just put on a candy corn costume and that would be it. But you went into a whole novel. That is phenomenal. That's great. Yep. That is. This year for Halloween, I'm just going to be a slutty audio editor. Ooh, I like that. Get dirty, daddy. Easy. Yeah, but what's your costume gonna be? Hey! <laughs> oh, sorry, Susie. I Zing. forgot. I forgot that was your line. I'm just. <laughs> it is. It truly is. You... I am offended. Yep. Ro- your royal. Your royalty check will be in the mail for. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have we have Halloween who plays Monk, and we have Susie who plays Ollie, mm-hmm. and we are very stoked. So, oh wait, what's oh there we're we streaming? Go. There we oh. go. Okay, cool. Interesting. There's the array. It's booting. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, you know what? Sure. Not a tinfoil. Uh, it's oh. not in the hat. <laughs> he, he was very disinterested in being an array. He's like, why aren't you giving me treats? <laughs> oh, that's terrific, actually. <laughs> I never considered the array to be having such a presence as to be another character in that particular shot. And now I'm never going to look at contact Ever again. the same way again. <laughs> I've been looking at the array saying, why are you missing your lines? You need yeah. to be speaking of Yeah. <laughs> All I want in my, co- in my Halloween costumes is to make people think about inanimate objects. Just to make them want to go. Favorite film. Just to make them want to go watch Jodie Foster sci-fi flicks. Yeah. Honestly, yes. Yeah. That was that was an age. Yeah. That was ninety already. Uh... We should talk to. We should ask our, our resident entomologist about the uh, factual accuracy of mimic. Uh, not. <laughs> not. <laughs> there it is. A. So, all right. So finger guns. Um. So, uh, Halloween had asked a couple of questions. Uh. Susie, do you have any questions that you would like answered on in this part portion of the program? Questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, like about episodes five about episodes, whatever. right? Or... We're, we're doing five right now. So technically nothing more than five. Things about five. It's sometimes so hard. To differentiate? Yes. Yes, it is. Right. Well, it's because it's it's done in the style of, number one, there's several different plot lines going on at once. And it's also slices of life of each of those plot lines. So, yeah. No, it's, it's put together really well in that, like, you could just put all of the episodes together and it's just, like, a big old movie. You know, that's actually what my brother said. He said he did actually appreciate that it was uh, so many, like, little bits of things. It made it, like, kind of easy to pay attention to the this stuff. He's like, yeah, more of that, less of me. That's his That's his uh, <laughs> criticism. Well, that's his brother. That's his pro. Actually, yeah. you know, in, in addition to the gag reel, we could do, like, a mega cut or something. A mega cut of just, like, Yo. the entire show in one? Yeah. That's great that on my list of projects that we as a team all of us together can get done yes it sounds yeah. terrific I mean, they're all they're all like 20 minutes so <laughs> like that would be i mean that's not bad that's like one extended lord of the rings movie oh man we should, <laughs> if we could be uh, you know yeah that's cool we could we could uh we could, 
we could do that I'm in just our saying, other other shows have done it. That's all I'm saying. We we could do a uh, we could do like our mega cut and then Lord of the Rings it in between seasons one and two and just be like, yeah, you can get the uh, the director's edition and then there's the director's edition with cast commentary where. We all just roast <laughs> each other for the whole thing. Like, yeah, that that could be pretty. Now, I was thinking more we we could do like a, a watch party kind of a thing, but sure. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, watch parties are pretty pretty cast commentary. It's all just us listening to John Cavick die and going, "Ooh, gross." Well, yeah. that's the John Cavick mega cut, like on his own. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be. All right, so let's let's actually. Actually yeah, we we literally were have not even started at at the episode yet. We were just getting to um, us starting the episode where episode four ends off, and this entire scene probably as of like now, like we just finished, we just finished recording episode eight. I think this scene will be one of the most like sound intense things we've put together for this show so far it was so very much uh do you want to remind the audience uh what scene this is yeah this so this is uh xerxes is about to uh buy the farm as everyone says and is saved last minute by a monk who shows up wielding that dope revolver that he bought entirely illegally from a sketchy man outside an Arby's. Uh, and then they proceed to just be chased through the scrapyard by this uh, horrifying monster who tries to rip, you know, the garage door down and is eventually deterred by an exploding acetylene tank. And yeah, and that's like the beginning of this. So this entire scene was just every fucking thing the monster did we had to think about like okay you know i did my rough drafts of it and then there was too little noise or then there was too much noise and the monster has to have action all the time but none of that stuff can be overwhelming the dialogue like i was just Mm. i just was talking today when when the monster is banging on the door i'm like it has to bang on the you know it has to bang on the door every so often because if it didn't then that doesn't make sense but it also can't interrupt dialogue by banging on the door because then you can't hear dialogue so there's a lot of awkward like the the background noise for this scene was the violence and it was it's a lot like there's there's layers every there's there's no individual sounds in that whole thing everything is just like stacked and layered on each other the the footprints like the foot stomps alone are like five sounds of just like subsonic reverberation and rock cracking and foot stomping and claws touching things and fuck so much so uh before halloween had asked do we start with some some sort of a sound escape in in uh large block and, terms yeah good yeah in mind i was going to uh, just quick uh to crib off of what susie had said that the, the the sounds in and of themselves was almost like its own character like that contact thing it was in you saying that i was in remembering what i was listening to this morning because i get that alert when october student pops up uh fyi that's something everybody should be doing do it um when you get the alert. <laughs> hey. um, but I was uh, listening to that, and it really it 
they, it sounded like almost two different villainous characters. There was the monster and there was the sounds the monster was making. It really kind of just drew me in in that moment, wondering what next audio assault was going to happen as opposed to what the monster was going to be doing next. And as somebody who's got kind of sensory issues, it was fantastic to feel oh. safe because I could just immediately shut it down. Um, but to to actually interspace that with the dialogue that I was playing with uh, with Luna and Luna, um, it really it really kind of uh, made that moment pop. And there's another moment in episode five that I wanted to talk about later when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was with Ollie, where that soundscape was just so precise and crisp. It really brought me into that moment. <laughs> um, but I'll be waiting for that for later. It was a really great sound bit. It is very so. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted, the, the reason I, I brought us back here is because this scene was where, uh, and I, this is the sort of thing that I'm generally, I, I, I keep things very close. I don't tend to let people peek behind the curtain. And so the very existence of these cast things and behind the scenes things is uh, not a quite antithetical to my existence, but almost. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to try because I think this is the kind of thing people want to hear from these, I guess. Uh, Derek and I did not agree on how big the monster was until mm-hmm. this scene. And it's oh, not that we wow. like, we didn't disagree. We just, it had never come up. Right. And then Derek had a sound effect. If there ever is one. Right. And, and Derek had put a sound effect in and I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound right. He's like, why? And I'm like, well, because the monster is X, Y, and Z. And he's like, Really? Uh, really? I thought it was CBC really because unfortunately I've been making sounds for it like it was not. So here we are, uh, like the footstomps. When I did monster footsteps, I went with like large lumbering things because in my mind I'm like big, big boy. Uh, and when we were you know walking around, I'm like Jacob wanted things that were slightly closer together, and it was that like, huh? Okay, we need to like I don't know what this thing looks like. Let's talk about that because. Uh, what is it? Actually, in my mind, I really imagine this thing looking like, uh, you ever seen Hellboy? Which one? The, the first, new one or the, the old one? The first I one. Mean, all, all of them, yes. So. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the ever, the ever mortal thing, the thing that just never died. Like, I kind of imagine this sort of looking like that. Uh, and I was very wrong, but, and that's kind of just like what I was building for it. So, yes, many, many, uh, conversation was had about like because once we once we picked it like once we eventually decided on like this is how big it has to be then we have to go back and like retool the entire thing so to allow something of that size to exist and work and not and still be clear like that's also very hard is that this thing has to be it has to have presence but it can't be overwhelming. Like you still have to get some idea of what's happening in the audio, despite growling and slamming and running and screaming and all of that. And boy, that's that was that took so long. Boy. Well, credit no. to you. Like I feel like uh, uh, the reason in my mind why it's it this scene is so involved is because it's an action scene and like there's and the w- the way we're all like as storytellers trained to uh experience action scenes is that there's all this going on at once cutscene 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 all this stuff going on and it keeps us at this fast pace and we're we're confused and we're being tossed around by all of the action happening and like 
but it's all happening in such a short frame of time and it's also packed in and you don't have visuals you have to tell us all that auditorially i don't know what's the word um and it's hard because we're trained a certain way with all these action movies and now you have to do that all for the ear without visuals to help you and it's it's an accomplishment that you've created such it, it helps that the characters sometimes voice it out like Monko's, let's tip over this very heavy tool cabinet on three. Smash. And, oh, oh, they got, oh, I got it. I got what happened there. Yes. It's as though the writer knew how the medium worked. <laughs> very clever. What's, very clever. What's going on? Oh, clearly it's pulling the door off its hinges, putting one fourth of its body in and then try. Oh, yes, yes. And the wind without saying. Terrific. Terrific. Um. But yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely something to be like. It was proud of when we were cool. I think I probably could still spend another six months fiddling with like volume and adjusting things left Yo, or right. That is but always like, gonna be true. You. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah, we literally we start the episode with one of not not conflicts. Definitely one of like heavy heavy conversation around this, and then we moved directly into the other part that I was like, I put it together, and I was like, Jake's not gonna like this. I think it's very cool, uh, which is the uh, going into uh, Tiger Blood Lily into the Unhallowed Grounds song. The Tiger might be Tiger Blood Jewel. I think that's probably the name. Tiger, of the Tiger song. Blood Jewel. Man, what a great fucking song! Good job. Lasers and stuff. And if anybody's curious, it's good. It's really good stuff. I did. I did good. Uh, you did. What a jam! I don't remember who. I don't remember who uh, introduced us to that. That was me. Good, good job, Jake. You're welcome. <laughs> and this was an instance when I actually did say, please put on Tiger Blood Jewels, lasers and stuff quietly in the background for this song or for this scene. Okay, maybe so maybe that's where I got the idea to do it because yeah, I maybe. Yeah, because I listened to it and I was just like, I don't know where I don't know where these fucking ideas come. Sometimes my brain just is like, hey, wouldn't this be cool? And I'm like, I guess. And then I make it. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to really. Uh, set the mood for it and then blending into like the unhallowed because it's important everyone's just meeting each other for the first time and uh it's a fun little like there is an awful lot of shit going on in this town if we stop to talk about all of it so i think Aww. we've now shifted from the the opening action sequence to that phone call uh the phone no, call oh no, no 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 the phone call was last time sorry yeah yeah now we're doing the literal everyone's at unhallowed ground yeah we're we're doing we're doing our uh, fucking pastry placement sound effects, and yep. Uh, yep. unplugging the music. Which, for fun, I actually had it as a much longer cut, which was just like Ollie knocking over more and more elaborate things in an attempt to unplug. I thought it was super funny. We'll probably have a nice long scene of it to for patrons at some point. You'll enjoy it. That's not accurate to the actor at all. I'm a paragon of grace and balance. Yeah. And never. I was like, just turning off the button. I'm like, no, I feel like Ollie would just be like, this thing is plugged in. It was plugged in one time and it is never, like, it is not convenient for anyone. Ollie is a master of taking very simple things that could be very simple and creating needless complexity out of every situation. Yeah. 
Or you could just plug it into this outlet. Or I could daisy chain it through a subterranean tunnel that requires, like, two two sonic water levels of space to get through. Okay, question then. We're not here, but Luna Luna. Is Luna Luna the, uh, or is um, Xerxes the intellectual that uh, finds the simplest solution out of grand complexity or finds a grand complex scheme um, at, in something that was apparently very simple and mundane? I don't know where that came from. That's a J question. <laughs> I, I well, just click. Xerxes used to be an MIT professor, and now Xerxes makes appliances or repairs appliances, and all he breaks them. <laughs> it's I'm a relationship yeah. out of necessity. <laughs> I'm definitely getting that Ollie's the one that creates needless complexity because it's fun and possibly a touch of ADHD, and Xerxes is the one who's like, okay, how do I how do I fix slash simplify? this insanity that I have seen before me. Codify is, is the word I would use. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Do you think... Do you and, think and, go ahead. Do you think that uh, Ollie has ever accidentally solved one of Xerxes' problems by just doing the simple solution that Xerxes could never think of? Like... Ooh. Or is it... Or is it... Is it I great? hate it, but the answer is probably yes. Or is it Grace's responsibility to show up and be like... Can you two, you can just plug it in, guys. Like, it's called a power strip, okay? We have three of them at the house, you know? I I, I, I think that's a fun idea, but I, I do think that Ollie would be the one who just plugs it in and Xerxes is still trying to figure out voltage. <laughs> right, seeing the, it's like seeing the forest for the trees kind of a thing. I mean, the only reason Ollie plugged it in. I don't think Xerxes lost. But I do think that if anybody's going to be the natural-born button pusher, it's going to be Ollie. Got to got to cook those pizza rolls sometimes. Mm-hmm. The proletariat was hungry. Important question. What kind of pizza rolls? What kind of pizza rolls does Ollie eat? Is that a supreme? Just cheese? Flakes of pepperoni in there? How about gluten-free? Gluten-free. <laughs> pizza? Gluten-free, but also needlessly spicy. Just because I want to live vicariously through all. So wait, does that make? Does so, it... so if 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 <laughs> we're actually if, <laughs> if we're actually doing this for Ollie, then the answer is, uh, the kind that Grace won't let them get at home. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if they're whatever, so they probably have lots of gluten and also lots of you know flaming hot uh, chorizo or something. Do you do you exactly. think that that's request that that. Ollie is made of Xerxes at once. Is like, can you help me engineer like flaming Takis into a pizza roll? <laughs> can you make me yeah. a machine that will put the Takis in the pizza roll and then cook them? <laughs> see, see, that I believe. I believe that Ollie would walk into Xerxes' workshop and there'd be a complex equation on the board with a schematic on term that does something amazing. And then Ollie sort of diagonally puts in, but what about the Takis? <laughs> I like, my headcanon is their relationship is that Ollie will come with this ridiculous idea and Xerxes will be, that is a ridiculous idea that no one but you will do. And Ollie says, yeah, but I bet you can't do it. 
and Xerxes says bet. That would work. I would. And thus it's happening. I would, ah! I would also. I would also b believe. Uh, Ollie has an idea. Xerxes says it's a dumb idea. Ollie says fine. Leave. Xerxes secretly builds the thing because it was yes, actually a pretty that, great idea. That, <laughs> that, that is that is actually how I was going to respond. Yeah, that would never work. And then Ollie's like, "All right, well, time That's to go it. home to my loving and supporting partner." And then Xerxes is like, "But wait, would it work?" And then yeah, <laughs> that is exactly correct. Yes, as a as a writer, I. I always identify as a writer first and, a, and the first thing that i always enjoy is when the characters reveal themselves to me so jake for you when did the characters reveal themselves to you or or did you just say you know what i'm god i'm creating you fuck you this is where you go <laughs> no I, i'll say this which is uh it's it's very strange for me to say this to an unknown number of people on the internet when i it's not something i like to talk about uh I wrote something quite a while ago and I remember very specifically there was a moment where the characters started to come to life and they, they, they like, I'm like, okay, this is the next part of the book and this is where he goes next. And the character said, but we want to go over here. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> and I should have let the characters lead me. And I didn't. Yes. And, and the, the yes. book started. And so since then, if a character really comes out through and says, but what about, but I want to do this. And I'm like, okay well like i guess you're doing that then the easiest thing to do yeah. is then to be like okay you do it and you die because you decided to go against me <laughs> Dude. Well, I, I, I do believe Holy in consequences for, for for decisions i think that is that is yeah. true you can do what you want you might get hurt but you can do it so as many people know uh i mean i i, I run various types of of games in my spare time and one thing I try to reinforce with anybody who plays games with me is you do not have to lick the big red button and push it with your face. You you will have consequences for just doing things. You don't need to be foolish about it. <laughs> what if you want to be foolish? No, they will. Try, no, they, allowed, it's just not necessary. <laughs> yeah. Life is full of enough consequences already. So that noise that you just made, Susie? Yes. Yeah, that was the noise that led Derek to say, "Okay, okay, okay," but now be really impressed that it ate a tire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrific. I I was actually just thinking about that laugh, about the uh, when everyone is talking about, do we want to take this to the cop, and then they all have to laugh for it. What what nobody knows but me is what all of you sound like individually when you're laughing <laughs> and that's boy that was the so good fun fact paul sounds like a disney villain when he's laughing like oh. like <laughs> i'll like i'll re i'll release that you, you know what i'll release that as an attachment to this q a for our patrons it's just <laughs> it's so fucking funny because paul is still laughing in his jeff thing and it is the most like maniacal i have just kicked the baby off the bridge level of like there is there's disney greens and purples everywhere as he's just cackling at the idea that just like yeah that's jeff's laugh that's why he doesn't laugh that often <laughs> because i'm gonna say now it's my headcanon that he's like self-conscious about his laugh oh, oh yeah sure that's why he doesn't La the last oh. the last sure. time the the last mm -hmm. time that him uh he was out in uh Last time he was with at an affair with, with his uh his kid, 
uh, someone said something that made him laugh when the police were called. <laughs> oh, no. There, there's a Disney villain at the fair. We have to, we have to stop them. Um, well, no, it was because all of the kids like ran away in fear because they're. That's <laughs> just. They yeah. didn't know why, but they they'd watched enough Disney movies to know that this man is lime green somewhere and must be bad. Yep. It's like, well, Jeff, maybe if you didn't laugh with your hands doing the upward claw motion all the time, people might not be as afraid of you. <laughs> all right, so let's see. We've got some deep cuts for pop culture. That's great. I love I love Xerxes as being like, I will straight up leave you all to die if we yeah, Scooby-Doo this. Was, Which is funny because you you, you often refer to the, ca the, the cast as the Scooby gang. I do. It's so apropos. Yeah. Oh my god. I was about to say the same thing early in the conversation when you're saying, don't do this. That sounds so Scooby-Doo when you're like, it's right around the corner. Yep. It was just, it's really, that is so such a great way. Yeah. But of course, for now we have to ask, who's Velma and who's Shaggy? Or not. I guess that's no, it's a good question. That's, that's what you have to really ask yourself for. Uh, and who's the old man well, in the mask? I mean, to be, always knew was there. to be fair, John. Samuel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, like, Ollie does actually have the line, Jinkies gang, let's split up. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, what, what, what does our audience think? Email us at octoberschildrenpodcast at gmail.com with your cast assignments. We'll read them. We got a Luna. Hey. We got a wild Luna, Luna. Hello. Luna. Yo. What's good, peoples? We were we were just talking about uh, Xerxes leaving everyone to die if. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes, exactly yes. that thing, and I will leave you all to die. So help me God. Um, so, so, so we we've we've also figured out that that Ollie is the type of person who will come up with a preposterous invention idea uh, that is completely ridiculous and run it by Xerxes and Xerxes will say no I'm not doing that that's a, that's a silly waste of time and then Ollie will go home and Xerxes will stare off into space and say but would it work and then try to make it yep. true so that is very factual yes uh, so before, before we continue on on our journey would you like to uh, say anything about the first scene of Episode five, where you and Halloween deal with uh, monster and such. Oh my goodness, um, that was so much <laughs> for me. Recording that was a lot. Um, up until that point, um, Xerxes hadn't really like expressed emotion. Um, like, I mean, yes, oh, nuanced right. emotion, but not not to like the point of like, I'm I'm running and fighting for my life. So that was like. A really interesting time <laughs> for me um and it was it was also really really cool to have i because that was the first scene that yes. i did with halloween right um one on one i need more of them god damn it i'm not yeah, yeah it was really fun it was, so it was cool. really fun i had a lot of fun um just bouncing off and these two like these two characters have such interesting chemistry um 
I don't I don't even know how to describe like the chemistry that these two characters have. Um, like, but I, I I love it. I'm like really into it. I'm really into like the vibe that they that they create together and um this specific this this first scene was like one hell of an introduction for sure for yeah. for that um that new relationship for the audience and i think that it was really well written it was really well done and yeah i'm just really proud of how it turned out when we were doing it i was thinking like uh uh porcupine and a crab stuck in a barrel they're both going to hurt each other however they're they're kind of rivals uh so much so that i feel like there's so much more potential to explore um, and I really like uh, your performance, Luna and Luna, when you were doing some of Xerxes' lines. It was, it was just, it came across as so much like, there's so much expression you were feeling, but there was so little that you couldn't really express just because Xerxes seems to quantify everything to a certain level and doesn't right. want to give too much away. Um, and to have all of that fear and all that energy and everything going in that scene and just to have Xerxes not pulling out their hair and screaming and losing their shit it just it seems like there's just so much more potential to kind of get into who this character is what is it going to take to lose their shit do they need to be sitting at the edge of space before they start saying oh my god now i'm shitting myself no what is it going to take to hear this person scream i mean so that is i think we probably would have if if, if manga hadn't shown up like note to self Vise cognitive <laughs> estimates of this. Stuff. Yep. Nope. Um, we just, we, we just saying that episode ten is going to be a time. Yeah. Terrific. Oh, uh, hello. There's a tease. Yeah. Come back, people. So, so I have heard. So I have. So it has been teased yeah. a couple times. <laughs> going to be great. Yep, I have. I have planned. Uh, so yeah. So that was. So we 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 did that. We talked about the uh, the everyone gathering together and deciding that they are going to split up and investigate some of these mysterious things that are that have been going on um and then what happens after that well first i want to say that i really do think that garden of teeth sounds like a cool band yeah it does yeah it does it does sound like a cool band yes it really does now there was there was a a sound clip i i want to talk about earlier i'm not sure if we have we passed that scene then or later where i believe it was ollie who poured that drink for that uh, awesome I, uh, bitchy I, share? I think that's our next scene. Actually, I think we go from here okay. to next day on Hollow Grounds or something. Um, so that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Garden of Teeth being a good band name is just apt because I just got back from uh, a n- trip down nostalgia to see an MCR uh, concert la- uh, two nights ago. Oh, they just played "Welcome to the Black Parade" once and went home. It was great. Basically, but all right. So from this thing, we do actually kick over to uh, our what was it? Yeah, our cops and coffee scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which is which is great. This was I heard uh my my brother definitely he was like I hate Victoria Beaumont so <laughs> much <laughs> I almost wanna stop like I almost wanna listen to something else. Like just he's like I just this despises 
<coughs> this was character so much and i was like yeah johnny johnny rocks like bad like bad character so well it's it's great um so halloween were you saying something about the the, the, the drink pouring Yes, the, the, the first part, I love the crisp sounding of it. I almost wanted to punch the stereo for Victoria. I loved her uh, her delivery of that particular character. She is so fantastic. She's so smarmy. It's bad, um, yeah. And it was, it was, it, it was you, Susie, who, uh, it was Ollie who poured that drink, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, Ollie, yeah. Ollie, makes, Ollie makes the drink and then gives it to uh, yeah, Victoria right. with the A cab rucadabra your drink mm-hmm. and then victoria responds by going oh no i oh, trip yes. that and was that was such a bitchy move oh my god that was that was so me. bitchy i wanted to ask a question of jake yeah um when you wrote that um it was such a great chess move tete tete was it planned for ollie to go yeah no you can just keep it did she know that that uh, beaumont was going to be such a such a see you next tuesday with that did she anticipate it, or she was just trying to? What was her motivation for saying, "I'm not gonna"? I mean, I heard her say the line, "I don't want you paying me back in pennies," but was she expecting something really shitty for Beaumont to do? I think, I mean, I mean, Ollie, Ollie's a iconoclast, and you know, really anti-establishmentarian. Like she, she Ollie is very much. They anticipate trouble from authority figures pretty much at all times. Mm. Like if you go back to the previous scene, not not for long, but Ollie's the I mean, basically Ollie's the one who says, "Let's do the the um, the mutual aid network out of unhallowed grounds." You know, so Ollie's got an axe to grind, and also I would say that uh, I had I had to not that I've got to fight anybody over anything to get anything into the show. But I had people who were very skeptical or who did not understand the glory that is a cabra, a cabra cadabra. I mean, that's because my brain is... I it's, love it's, that, my, personally. My, <laughs> my, uh, my yeah. brain is as, uh, as uh, wrinkle-free as a pebble, so I just needed to read it like 10, tw- 10 times. I'm like, oh, nice. So I, I think yeah, that the... I looked the, at it oh, yeah? I knew it was going to screw it up. Well, you did, it, you did great, so... I think that the, the, the to answer Halloween's question, though, really, I think all I can do is point to the line, if we're not doing petty, why are you even here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think great that, line. I, I think that, that Ollie knew that Beaumont was trouble. Mm. Ollie did not know which way that trouble would manifest this particular instant. Does that answer you? Yes, but my my now of course like I always do. The second flip side to that question is, how do you think Ollie responded if she actually took the money? If Beaumont laid the money down on the on the counter, said here you go. Do you think Ollie would have taken the money and Beaumont would have still spilled it anyway? You think Beaumont would have like I'm not paying the money anyway because Beaumont came seemed to go in there with a whole bunch of big dick energy like I'm just going to find somebody to fuck and it's going to be you. And it seems like that Ollie kind of saw that coming. So I'm curious what would happen if there was money involved in that. Well, uh, let's see. So this is absolutely a continuation of their confrontation outside of town hall when they had the uh, why do you hate America? Oh, I'm sorry, why do you hate freedom? Right? Yes, yes. 
So that there was the, there was the intentional misgendering, and that was a continuation of other run-ins that they've had off camera. So you know, Ollie is a mm. known quote-unquote troublemaker as far as Beaumont is concerned. Um. So when you look at it, to my mind, Beaumont knew exactly what she was going to do, start to finish. Walk she in there. The okay. Yeah. Gotcha. She, like gotcha. that, she she did not want that drink. She already had quote unquote good coffee. She was just ordering something sticky so that she could spill it. Like that was that was very clearly premeditated. I mean, technically, you're looking uh, at it's Ollie's the one who is uh, making the response through a bite through like gritted teeth. Like that's the this is a setup. This is a setup. Don't do right, it. Don't right. do it. This yeah. is a like. <clears throat> You can get yeah. you can get well, the satisfaction, and then she'll take you down. Right. Do you think yeah. Beaumont walked in there expecting it to be free coffee? Do you think Beaumont would have paid to tell Ollie "fuck you"? Oh, I think I, I think so. Your question remains: What if money had been involved? I think that yeah. it's possible. Like, if Beaumont had just said, "No, no, here's the cash," Ollie probably would have, like. As the writer, off the cuff, I would say something like, let me just put that into the um, the homeless donation box we have here at the register for you. Mm. Like, I think Ollie gotcha. would have found, would have had, there would have been a, a, a community help function for donations of cash in the environment some way. And whatever that was, Ollie would have immediately rerouted the, the cash to that to to get rid of it without internalizing does that make sense i, f I feel it makes sense i feel like i don't there, want this on my pnl i i feel like there's some kind of joke to be made about like ollie taking said money and then using it towards like a covid release uh, like the victoria beaumont like covid relief fund dealing with people with no sense of taste or something <laughs> no, I, I mean like, I mean, you know, it could have been something like, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll put this into the bail relief fund uh, for you." You know, yeah, just for you. Uh, well, but... I'll, I'll make sure to put your name on the donation. So, like, like that kind of thing. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I, I enjoy that scene uh, immensely. I love uh, any any time we get to have, any time we get to have Johnny just like. Especially Johnny and Susie. That's my that's my OTP for just villain hero dynamic. Uh, can't wait to see what Julie happens. Julie in the background that. saying, I'll, "I'll get him up." I'll get him up, man. You know, like I that's that's good. I I love I love Wilhelmina as Julie. I think that like I don't know, like we we kind of we kind of ran some of our you know we originally had the idea of you know these people being extra things and then we just ended up each one of them just has a character at this point so but no one's met beale yet but when you do oh man i want to meet beale <laughs> oh my god oh. so good um so yeah we we have this we have the conversation we are we're playing this dance and then afterwards we get a phone call from grace who's had a bit of a day. I think this was the, the, the time where you uh, really get to see uh, Moira's chops. I think, I think she did a great job as Grace here. It's it, we're, we're hitting, we're hitting horror and that requires people to really be, uh, 
given those feels all the time with whatever character stuff you have. So yeah, she's, she's calling panic. Ollie is tired. I think Susie do a really great job of like the introduction of that phone call. You sound emotionally exhausted from interacting with Beaumont, which is great because I'm tired when I listen to it. So I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, there has been quite an ordeal. Grace has been, uh, stalked from a vehicle that I I believe the implication is that, yeah, this is another one of those, uh, or the same, I don't know, uh, unmarked vehicle that Ashley was dealing with. Yeah. No comment. Neat. Uh, And that their garden is set on fire and Grace has been attacked by a carrot, the most vicious of the vegetables. Uh, So... Fun thing to think about there is how did that garden catch fire? And that was my garden. Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone knows that cauliflower can spontaneously combust, so... Obviously. Yeah, just add a little... Do, sh- I, do I leave room for fan conspiracy theories, or is this where I, I say something? No, leave room. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that, that's cool. Thank you. That's great. I... I was curious, but I'll just... That's cool. I'll, I will simply say there is a defi- there is an actual answer. That's, that's... But will we ever learn the answer? Well, that's a different question. And if you have that question, reach out to us on OctoberStrollingPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Ask the question. Get the answer. Also, I'm, cur- I'm curious as... I'm curious as fuck. Is anyone figured out what the symbol that Ashley saw on the police officer is. I haven't oh, that's I haven't heard I haven't heard anyone it is an it is an actual thing. I encourage you to go back and listen to the episode, get a pencil, get some paper, write down October Children Podcast at gmail.com. Ask Derek to just tell me what it is because literally no one has time in their life to like Google things or draw things, but like I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> Well, for me, I get hung up because I don't know which kind of four it is. Is it the four with the with the triangle, or is it four with like the box, the open box thing? Man. I don't know. Well, that's a that's an excellent question. And uh, Halloween, you were saying something, but your connection went bad for a second. What were you saying? Uh, no, no, I was just I was blown away by it. Derek is right on the ball. He was just the producer. If anybody knows, just email. I was like, hey, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would never lose yourself in a conversation, dude. You're right there. That's awesome. To be fair, I literally, I do not think that I would have, I wouldn't have made that connection until Jacob was like, "This is the thing," and I was like, "Oh, I don't, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure my first thought was like, this reminds me of a Yu-Gi-Oh game I played for PlayStation when I was a kid." And you're like, "I don't know why I talked to you." <laughs> Honestly, fair. Yeah. Uh, and then, so after after our garden, so Ollie books it. I'm out of here. I think we're doing uh, our spooky spelunking, right? Oh yes, that's correct. The, the, scooby gang. the yeah. other fucking <laughs> complicated scene. We have, this basement is so much fucking work. Three sets of footprints, flickering lights, elevator noise. Don't forget, don't forget the cane. And the cane, yeah, and Conrad's cane, <laughs> which. I mean, on the same time, like, flash forward back to, like, episode one, 
the decision to be like, yeah, we'll make we'll make you know more inclusive by allowing Con Conrad to have a cane. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad we're doing this. Fuck you for giving me one more sound effect that I need to somehow make. But yeah, yeah, this is great. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Sorry, question. Sure. Did we? Did did y'all? I might have missed it. I'm just checking. Did did y'all already talk about the the uh, the meeting with the people then? Uh, very, very lightly. We, you literally came in as we were talking about like Xerxes wanting to leave people for dead. Uh, if they. Oh compare. right, yeah, yeah, That's right. So, do you have anything you want to specifically jump into? Um, I just wanted to say, like, I, just about that was first of all, that was like my favorite thing, my favorite scene to record, like, so far, thus the entire series, being able to like sit down with everybody and like bounce like j just seeing all of these characters interact with each other was something so I, I it just felt it felt so real like the way like sitting there listening to everybody embody these characters and feel like i was in like i felt like i was in the room with these people like this was that was like one of the through, best things that i had ever experienced in my life oh, okay. through the magic That's of audio love ensemble it sounded really organic ensemble pieces yeah, yeah 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 and i i think we had i don't actually remember i'll have to take a look when i actually go through like the behind the scenes footage for five uh hopefully i remember to record my audio this time but uh <laughs> to see if whether or not we actually had everybody in the scene or not it was close it's very it's very hard running a podcast is a lot like trying to schedule a D, &D game like what? Oh, Lord. who who has this time oh, free? Nobody. Fuck me. Okay, cool. That's terrific. I'm gonna email people about tertiary availabilities. Yeah. Well, we got that many people together <laughs> just, at one time. Hey, so it was great. The the stars aligned for the, what we needed it for. So as long as uh yeah, that's fair. Um, cool. So that's our spooky spelunking. We're talking I about. We did have everybody for that one. Like thinking back to it, I think we did. Wow. All right. Best part is when you have all these disparate um, stories, and then you have everyone come together and like, oh my god, I saw this and you saw that, and like it's like, it's getting everyone together, but also uh, solidifying this group dynamic and seeing how everyone kind of interacts with each other. And it, I just I love ensemble pieces. Um, because you get to see how you get to see all these sort of intricate multi-layered relationships mm -hmm. instead of these one-on-one -on -one things. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, you know, speaking of D and D, like I just love any sort of found family situation, especially. Oh, absolutely. Scooby-Doo fucking misfits getting together. And funny. Oh, and, and one comment, too, just about that, um, the dynamic. I love how this dynamic between um, Ollie and Xerxes, I definitely I see. Uh, I definitely see Ollie as like annoying little brother to Xerxes. That's that's how I that's how I perceive <laughs> this dynamic. And I, I am I, I am I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with your portrayal of Ollie, period. But um, yes. Yeah. Definitely, like this dynamic is something that's yeah. so fun. You're you're so you're always so fun to bounce off with. I've had two scenes with you, 
And I, I truly love like uh, Xerxes and Ollie's relationship just because we are so we're all so much opposites. But mm-hmm. it's like, like Xerxes grounds Ollie and Ollie needs that grounding. <laughs> Gra- no, senses. literally, literally grounded. Like, <laughs> literally, like Ollie, it's you are you, a kite. you have exploded this machine. Look at me. Go to your room. All right. <laughs> Go to your room. No NPR for a week. No slash flicks. But I love it because Ollie is so gosh darn persistent and will and is just, I don't know. I mean, getting back to like has a little bit of main character energy where they're just like, I, you know, it doesn't like nothing gets them down for too long and they're always going to bounce back, which is exactly what, you know, my headcanon that Xerxes kind of needs because Xerxes can be sort of sometimes bogged down by life and all these things and Ollie's just this constant buoyancy that keeps not you know them but also other people up and going um which actually comes to mind is why when Ollie is down like what after they fight with Grace like everyone knows like oh no Ollie's sad oh no oh no it's definitely what have you connected with about Ollie? You seem to embody Ollie so great. What What are some of the hooks that you just said? You know what? This is I can I can totally vibe with this with Ollie. Finger guns. Similarities. Um, I'm I I I, I can embody finger guns, uh, very well in my regular life. Um, but I I I do definitely hook into this person who, um, who is constantly like looking for solutions looking for crazy like they have a mind that is constantly running and constantly mm. looking you know not just not it's not wholly like optimistic like looking for the bright side but it's the one where if they sit still the world will end like they must keep going and no matter mm. what and that's the motor that helps them keep bouncing up and keep bouncing up um which is is great for keeping everyone's spirits up often. It's great for building community. I think it's apt that they have um, a coffee shop where all of the misfits come. Like they bounce off people's energy. They need people. And it's not always a great thing. Like I, that's why I appreciate a little bit of the, the um, arguments and sort of uh, not so great interactions that they have with Grace um, because I think they often miss the fact that their person just kind of needs someone to listen to them um i think it happens with grace it happens a little bit with ashley like with ashley's interaction with the police like ashley needed someone to tell her what to do and ollie's great for that but when ollie was talking with grace and grace was like oh my god all these things are happening ollie was like okay i'm gonna do something about it and like uh, almost like interrogating her about all of this stuff that happened to her when she just needed ollie to shut up and listen and be there for her and go there and, and comfort her. And, you know, sometimes that that stuff can cro- cause friction and um, cause for us to not see what the person in front of us a little bit. And I think that was very well portrayed in Ollie's relationship with Grace and how they fixed it up and, um, you know, just all that. Mm. I don't know. That, that, that was way too deep. <laughs> the same question for you, Luna Luna. How do you connect to Xerxes? 
Oh my gosh. Um, this is, it's so interesting. Um, Xerxes is nothing like me what? <laughs> as a person. What? Um, no, what? No way. I think, <laughs> I think there are aspects of Xerxes that I like. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like this whole, like, I, the academia part, I can kind of relate to. Um, but not like I'm not I'm not the person that is like so smart that I can't like like I'm very much a people person. I love people. I love people. So it, there, there's like I think it's I've seen I definitely think Xerxes is a combination of a lot of people that I've seen around me um, that I have seen admit similar behaviors. Um and some of those people are not people that I like. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But um, it's, it's def like, it's, I don't even, I like, I don't have the words to describe. Like, Xerxes is really, really polar opposite to my, like, brain. The way that Xerxes thinks and, like, there are some similarities in terms of like as well with the way that I speak in implementing that into some of Xerxes um I get I, um like quirks in terms of speaking but in terms of like my being <laughs> other than my voice being in Xerxes I don't know if there's there's a lot of that I think Xerxes is definitely a character for me that I have um like it, this is this is true character work for me for um and definitely it has helped to people watch um and like take into account of the people in my life um that I have seen like I said before act similarly to Xerxes and kind of implement all of those things together but um I definitely think Xerxes is heavily inspired, like my by like my dad, by my brother, um, but wow. definitely much much more um, punctuated with speech because um, you know academia and all that. But because if if Xerxes were talking like my dad and my brother, let me tell you. This would be a different story. <laughs> Xerxes. May you know, maybe Xerxes can get down. Maybe Xerxes can 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 shake a little ass and and get a little ghetto. You know, who knows? But um I wanna see that so bad. <laughs> I think no, there, I would. Oh my god. I think there are moments where it kind of comes through, but it's not I haven't I haven't really done that <laughs> with Xerxes, but it's, I think it's definitely possible. I think it's definitely possible to, um, to get Xerxes to this, um, like scolding auntie slash uncle behavior. I mean, to be fair, like, I feel like when you have a character who plays it so close to the vest for their own safety, um, you get someone who doesn't know themselves what it means to lose control. I, in my experience, I feel like characters um, play it so close to the vest because 
they are a little bit afraid of losing control and therefore it's because they they don't know what it's like to lose control so they avoid it at all costs right and that that means mm, i mean, I mean yeah. for me in character like studying xerxes i don't know what xerxes is going to be like because xerxes probably doesn't know and that's scary and it's what all the walls are for Absolutely. I definitely, definitely see that. I'm, I, I definitely, while playing Xerxes, I think that Xerxes just wants to be able to control things. Xerxes mm -hmm. wants to be able to put, put everybody's ducks in a row and mm -hmm. create like an equation or something for everything, like an explanation, a very yes. solid explanation the, for everything. And, the anti-life um, equation. Humans are so yeah. predictable. <laughs> if only I could boil it down to an equation, life would be so much more simple. Right. World is so, a mess. They just need to rule it. <laughs> Honestly, Wolfbrook ruled by Xerxes. I oh wouldn't my mind goodness! It. I wouldn't mind it. I would want to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down. Let's see it. Man, no comment. Yep. All right, the spooky spelunking. We're doing. Uh, we're. Oh we're... yes. Sorry for the the the. the... Oh, sorry. Hey, look. This is this has been just me and Jake just like it. having sad boy oh, no, power hour this... for for the last few things. We're jam we're, we're fine. This is great. The less I. Oh yeah, this is phenomenal. Yes. Uh. So we're we're in our elevator things. We're 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 getting to they're getting to the second most uh, complicated scene of the uh, episode where we're dealing with like. Flickering lights and elevators and multiple people all walking on multiple different surfaces. And uh, we're back in our mysterious sub-basement because Conrad wants to show everybody the tunnel that Samuel said, don't go down there. And they go down there. And we get... Of course. Right. This is, this is where we get the, the other line of the episode that I don't understand because I'm a monster is... That's true is uh when ollie says dirty pool old man i was like what what's that i don't what is a dirty pool jake and he was like it's from adam's family and i was like oh my wife loves that movie i'm a bad husband uh yikes no one tell my wife that i didn't know what that meant <laughs> which is a problem because one of our people who will be listening to this is very close friends with my wife and that piece of shit is that probably texting her literally as he's listening to this Son of a bitch. Sir, tell me what you really feel. I feel <laughs> you haven't. You haven't fully explained it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, out of the... So everyone gets to go down, they find a door. A rusted door to... We don't know. And then... Well, okay. Hold on. I do want to say... Setting. This, is, this is where we get the Jinkies gang. Let's split up. Mm -hmm. And... I, I was really quite proud of the really no, no. <laughs> but, but I oh. got it I gotta get it in while Xerxes is party. Over. and then, I mean um, and then the and uh, then... I you know when they do want to split up the my use of Jinkies gang was intensely sarcastic dot 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 but you can go first yeah yeah and then there's the they find the 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 door and what is it? is it is it my genre senses are tingling my my trope senses are tingling. trope my trope senses are tingling yeah uh -huh. I was I, I really like that one you get you get Ollie them when wants you're uh... to be in a scary movie so bad so bad 
but Conrad's the one that says it. That's because that's, that's because true, Ollie that's, that's because Ollie is hoping that behind the door is Michael Myers, and just like Conrad's like, no, wait, but what if behind the door is Michael Myers? <laughs> This is All this is it. This is this is the couple that like Conrad. Is... <laughs> oh man, that's. Holly wants to be in a scary movie so bad, until they realize what it means to be in a scary movie. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it's it's still much less. It's a uh, much better than uh, having to deal with like. The real scary movie of hey, there's a cop upstairs who won't stop harassing me, and they're literally just mm-hmm. goading me into giving me them a reason to arrest me. So like, yeah, yeah, I'll take the slasher in the basement. I can. I'll take the slasher. Yeah, that's that's actually probably definitely where it comes from. <laughs> if if there if there was, they'd open the door, they'd find some like zombie or something, and Ollie's like, thank God, a safe place <laughs> for me to finally vent all of the anger and frustration I've had building up for a while. Oh boy. Let me tell you about question two, you piece of shit, and then just drop kick the zombie. <laughs> Ollie Ollie gives me always gives me the vibe of someone who uh the person who plays D and D because the real bad guys in life you can't hack and slash with a sword and you have to grit your teeth and bear it or find some that's less n- exciting solution. That's not very barred and- of you die die to just be able to solve all of their problems by getting into a room and hacking and slashing them that's why they love the scary movie so much because it's like there's a way there's a way to actually end it instead of ollie live in a capitalist dystopia and i can do nothing ollie jokes that they're a bard they're really a paladin they're just just like finally a Mm -hmm. fictional setting where i can uphold justice and order Mm mm-hmm uh-huh. Hey, you there! Don't steal, or I'll smite you. Well, it's because they're a bard in real life. Yes, yes, they. Yes, that's true. I, I, I'd, I'd give them barbarian. That's good. Oh yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can't say anything about a bat, but you'll have to find, figure out later, folks. See, I can do marketing <laughs> things. I'm good at this. There you go. Oh, I realized. Um, Halloween. Did you? You asked. Luna and Susie, how they sort of hooked into their characters. And I know we touched upon it a little bit earlier, but did you want to offer any other insight into how you hook into Monk? Um, yeah. The, my mind skip for him is the regardless of whether, whether it actually unfolds or not, I was trying to get the word out when I was thinking about it, and I, I, I'm not sure if I got it correct. Uh, Machiavellian. He seems to be, be somebody who kind of pushes things to see where they are and then decides, okay, this is a resource. This is something I can use to get what I want later. Rather than trying to be into peaceful discovery, he's looking to gather resources by provoking things. So he seems to be an individual much more so on his own who is almost, and very borderline, but almost, especially after today's recording, almost sociopathic where he... His his viewpoint on everybody changed the moment that particular event happened in his life. And now his whole worldscape has changed because it goes from him just enjoying life and getting through it with this and every other uh, to now it becomes a matter of everything's a resource. He's going into survival mode and he's very much kind of a scavenger where everything is a resource for him rather than trying to 
connect with people and say, you know, when we get hurt as individuals, normally we want to lean upon the people who care about us the most because people who care about us the most are going to be there as opposed to the people who don't care. They want to step away from something uncomfortable. I think the monk is, is really kind of, he closes up and he immediately, he immediately has all guns out and it's him and him trying to get the one thing he wants and everybody else can burn, but he's using yeah. his resource. So the way I connected to him is much more of a psychological, which is the way I, I usually do with everything. I studied acting for three years and I did it only to become a better writer because I love the psychological aspects of, of quantifying people's behavior. And that's one of the things, because when I was younger, I, for those who don't know, I am on the spectrum. When I was a child, um, I could not read facial expressions. So I had to learn how to quantify reading people's facial expressions from the face down. I had to, from between eyebrows and, and mouth expressions, I had to understand this is what angry, this is. So I kind of use the same thing with Monk. I think everybody uh, has a, in this story specifically, everybody has a bit, especially with Xerxes and Monk, um, everybody has, has a bit of um, emotional IQ. And I think Monk's emotional IQ is a little bit lower. I think he's much more head-oriented as opposed to Ollie, who seems much more heart-oriented. And I love, uh, Susie, I love you for sure, Ollie. Ollie is such a great oh, character. Every time I, I, I hear Ollie, I'm like, Susie is fucking knocking the fuck out of this. Man. I love that. So, <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> yeah. Yo, act a question for people. Oh, unless you unless you had some more to say. No, 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 I'm done. I'm done, girl. I'm uh, I was just thinking about uh, Derek talking about Oliver Lass and one of one of the ways that I know that I'm at least semi locked into an accent, but also sometimes the character is if I know how they'd laugh. If I know how they laugh, I can kind of lock into their voice, <laughs> their unique voice, but also like their character because it is such an expression of like out of control and freedom that I know, like, okay, I think I've got a hook into this character. I don't know if it's the same for other people, though. <laughs> that's, that's Ollie's laugh. It's so, it's so good. It's my favorite laugh. <laughs> <laughs> right, I do think that's really interesting. I love that you approach characters like that. Yes. <laughs> approach them by hooking into their joy. That is such a defining way to get into a head. That's phenomenal. Wow, I'm going to take that with me from this conversation. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. All right. So oh. we have the gang in the basement, and they uh, the trope senses are tingling, yes. and then Samuel shows up. He he aps out of the dark, uh, which is which I I really like the like, don't do that. No, like. I guess, you know, what do you, it, the, oh, look, I'm really just calling you out on the fact that, like, I told you not to be down here, and you didn't listen, and you asked me to not scare you to death, and I didn't listen, so, fair, <laughs> fair enough, I guess. Uh, it's... I also like the fact that, uh, in this scene, Jeff is the one who cops to playing D&D. &D. Yeah, he had that ready, yeah, I... he had that ready to go. Like everyone was just like him and Han, uh, and nope. When you needed, when you needed to, jet, he he was ready. He was he was nine steps ahead. 
there there's an actual dice in his pocket. What you didn't see is that afterwards when uh, he said, why else is anyone supposed to be down here, that Jeff produced a fully filled out character sheet, uh, a set of D20. <laughs> uh, Ollie and Conrad stunned, just really just blown away. They were like, Jeff? He is immediately like, yo, we meet next Saturday. You want to join our campaign? Let's go. Oh my God. Can, can, you, can you just imagine the, like, the sitcom situation of, uh, Samuel not believing them, so then they have to sit down and improvise a game of D and D, and in front of Samuel. In front of Samuel, and they're like, "Well, why don't you have your character sheets?" Well, obviously because you all have them memorized, okay. <laughs> and then it's just like just asking them to roll skills that don't exist, and then it backfires further because then Samuel wants to play, and then every Saturday going forward, <laughs> they have to keep the ruse going by playing a game of D&D. I love Yep. Yo, this is this is too deep, but, like, there's there's this, you know, thing that goes around D&D shit where it's, like, you show up without a character sheet, and then you just interact with the world and your DM tells you what your stats are as you go along. Like, oh, you rolled this. Okay, you have a plus two on it and yada, yada, yada. And then that's why they don't have character sheets is because they're, it's a blind game. Sorry, that's way too deep. No, no, that's that's how they all become such best friends is by playing a blind game. of. We, we never discover the mysteries of the uh, of anything. Episode six is just, from now on, every scene of Jeff, Conrad, Samuel, and Ollie is just, and it's just continuation of D and D. Yeah, it's great. It's so bad. I'm assuming everyone got the bit, the D and D in the steam tunnels bit, right? What do you mean? Okay. No, obviously I did not. <laughs> so one of the at one of the things that happened at the height of the sort of satanic panic D and D is bad nonsense is that some. Some people got, like, a kid got lost in steam tunnels looking for a place to play D&D, and I believe they perished. I'm not oh, entirely sure. wow, really? Yeah. So there, there became this whole thing about D&D and steam tunnels, yeah. Huh. Did I didn't like know that. that. Did you know that? The then version of the person who died from playing World of Warcraft too much. If you knew that story, October's Children Podcast, gmail.com, subject line. I knew <laughs> I knew that. And then <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you know, I'm not laughing at the person's demise. I'm I'm, I'm laughing at Derek jumping on that grenade. Hey, yeah, well well you know what? I'll just we'll just start naming NPCs after people who email us with correct answers. That sounds Do know. not make all do not do not write checks that you cannot cash. <laughs> hey jake good news i promised everyone lots of things have fun i'll be off here bye good news Hi. all right uh so um, what's what's our so yeah, next? uh after that we get renee and ashley in the library oh yeah man big a lot of big sh a lot of big shit here uh because this is the the discovery of the wrong street that's true. Which I think is a fun name. Yep. And the more... Oh, I mean, actually, so this... If I'm hoping that my audio came through for this. Uh, it doesn't matter. If there is one scene that you want to watch in uh, the behind the scenes for five, it's all of them because we're great. But if you had... You like Time Crunch, definitely check take a look at that because... 
uh, John does three different voices for Ed Levesque in three different takes. Like, oh, that's true. I forgot that. Oh, man. Yes. Li- literally, the first time that he did it, he did his, like, hip ya kind of guy. And I was like, <laughs> it had been just long enough since we did four that we were like, yeah, that could be Ed Levesque. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe that sounds something. Can you Do you have another voice you could do? And he was just like, yeah, sure. One big nerd coming up. And then, bam, just, <laughs> like, on a last take, we got the current. On a dime. Just on a dime. Yep, it literally was just like, hey, John, do you need a minute? No. We're immediately going back to back. Oh, okay. Look at this big nerd. Great. Terrific. Uh, I I always just gonna have my John Cava appreciation minute. What a, what a, what a great fella. Um, and speaking of great fellas, you are all great fellas. Hey. Uh, and we um, we learned we learned big big news big news from this library you learn important big things when you're in a library kids samuel who <laughs> that's it yeah things you learn in the library that the kindly old man you've you've been putting your faith in oop don't do that nope don't have any no one knows who that is um <laughs> whoops which you know up and actually could make this year's uh 2022 sketchiest human award kind of like running we thought that it was going to be monk baelish for the win but suddenly out of nowhere comes samuel question mark that's true except that we close this episode out with monk being super sketchy with sophia (laughs) okay (laughs) oh my god Oh it yeah! Makes it so worse yeah, is, is I was the library Congress. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Hi, have you heard of the government? Well, I'm with them. Tell me all of your secrets for the government. <laughs> cookies? Mm, big government loves cookies. Thank you kindly. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't big government. That's the thing, right? It was like NPR. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I love that. Just like the little big government. Oh, oh yes, you. Ex- I've heard of you on the radio. Even I'm like, what a grandma thing to say. Like you absolutely have not, but okay. I mean, there's the obligatory Karen's greatest Sophia. Yeah. Oh man, just. Uh, but uh, yeah, no uh, Halloween as ever. Phenomenal job as as monk. It was. Oh no, I. I love her. Uh, who, who plays uh, Mrs. Castellano? Uh, Karen. Karen O'Brien. Karen, really? Every time she starts playing her, I'm thinking this woman is a national treasure. She needs to be protected at all costs. The moment Monk started dealing with her, I'm like, Monk, please don't tell me you're a, like a hardcore <laughs> villain. Please don't tell me you're going to go in there and just start beating her just, the fuck up to get your information i mean <laughs> hey good good news i uh i didn't use as many rounds bear hunting as i thought so <laughs> i mean unfortunately that would be the that'd be the revelation where monk monk would make the same mistake that lit uh that renee almost did and that's uh sophia has is a much better shot than people would give credit for she just only uses heavy artillery so <laughs> Yeah. Mm. And on that note, gents, I and ladies, I have got to go. 
cool. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think we're about done anyway. So. Yes. I also have to leave. So well, that is perfect. Go. That's great. <laughs> now you're now all wonderful human beings. Thank you so much for being part of the project. Yes. Yes. yes thank you for was, having us. Was great. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Susie, I wish I could have uh, uh, done a bit more of a scene with you. I love. I would really love to to just kind of bounce Ollie off of you. Ollie being such a heart and Monk being such a head, I think it would be an awesome scene. Um, I mean, it's and Luna, Luna, I I want to work with you again so much. It's hard. So to, yes, yes, to, yes. Oh my God, you're it's hard to absolutely. You know, the really thing is just it's hard to just be in scenes with characters that all die in episode six and. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. you, know, you always, you always, you always, you always think you have more time with a character until. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Don't do that there. to me. Cool. So that's that's exactly. <laughs> this is a horror podcast. Yeah, you can't, you can't happen. Tell that's these things. Neat. So that's uh. No comma. So you guys, I'll I'll go ahead and end it. If you just guys want to go ahead and say goodbye for the final time, because we won't be having so many characters wow. return for the episode six one. <laughs> that's great. That's oh my god. Tuning uh, next week to find out how we all die. Welcome Patreon. <laughs> um, the last two episodes will just be quiet and silence. So, <laughs> they don't actually save the town. The town goes up in ruins, and there is no ending. <laughs> <laughs>